0: One of life's greatest questions is what happens to us after we die? Is death the end or a new beginning? Welcome to the Round Trip Death Podcast. In this show, we listen to first-hand accounts of people who have gone beyond the veil and return to talk about it. Today our featured guest not only had an interesting near-death experience, but one of the most spectacular accidents you will ever hear as he was actually run over by a large Navy ship in the freezing Antarctic Ocean. How did it happen? And how did he make it back? We are about to find out. So we are honored to have with us today on the podcast Greg Keeley from Australia, Greg, How are you?
1: Absolutely fantastic, Eric. Thank you for the opportunity. i'm I'm looking forward to sharing my experience and hopefully, uh, it might help some people get through some struggles that they have been as I did from mine.
0: Would you mind giving us, before you tell us what led up to your near-death experience, tell us just a little bit about you and your background so we can get to know you some. Yeah,
1: fantastic, all right. Well, I'm, uh, I, was, I was born in Sydney, Australia um, back in 1968 and grew up a child of the eighties in Australia, which was pretty cool um you know normal sort of a family it um it wasn't until much later in adult life that I found out that I had what was called a narcissistic father however um that led to pretty much the NDE that we'll talk about and uh and my careers many many careers I ended up having about 41 career changes in my life through this self-sabotage um, <clears throat> one of them, which was in the military, which we'll talk about and uh, where the NDE occurred. I, um, I've moved all the way up the east coast of Australia, up and back, and now I live in a place called the Sunshine Coast, which is, which is I suppose, similar to uh, the Florida sort of a weather, but it's got lots of lovely surf beaches and I surf every single day for my own mental health and, um, and absolutely love it. I've got um, a a very patient uh, wife of 25 years who went through all my my turmoils of self-sabotage and she's still there, which is fantastic. And I've got two boys, one's 21 and the other one's 18.
0: Wow, surfing every day, that's not a bad life. And it's winter down there right now. So does that mean you have bigger waves?
1: We do have bigger waves, and we get to wear a wetsuit. But um, it's it's the best. This is why I moved here. I've moved all the way up and down the east coast of Australia. Been over to the west coast a couple of times, and that's where this NDE took place. But um, uh, it's it's it is bigger waves in the in the winter, and I absolutely just love it. It helps me be grounded, um, and, and and it's something I think everyone should do. Is find find something that they love. And be able to do it as much as they can, because it's amazing how much
0: more happier life becomes. I could not agree more. That's fantastic. Mm. Before you get into the lead up to your NDE, would you mind just almost giving us a little teaser, just a teeny glint as to... What you saw or experienced in your NDE, without telling us the whole story, and then we're going to get to the lead-up because the lead-up is absolutely amazing for people that haven't heard your story. You are going to be blown away with what happened to Greg. <laughs> so tease us first.
1: All right. Actually, um, I had uh, ended up having two, two in the one, uh, the one evening, and uh, you'll understand it when I go into more depth. I did see. Uh, and feel other entities but they weren't from this life it was must have been from another time another place and um, the the biggest thing that I took away from it was the love that I felt there and um, there was I was sort of torn I had absolutely no control of which direction I was going Uh, but the lead up to it will will definitely uh, allow me to explain it in much more detail
0: Okay, I'll let you fill in more details in a few minutes. You were in the Royal Australian Navy. Set the stage. What in the world happened?
1: All right. So I was. Um, I was. I joined the Royal Australian Navy as a clearance diver, and it's, a, it's similar to your Navy SEALs over there. And we did a lot of we did a lot of under ship um, underwater ship. Attacks, we did deep water mine clearances, explosives. We did a lot of um, dry land explosive ordnance disposal. And for, we've got a couple of different um, uh, uh, ranks and um, different entities in different militaries. So I suppose the clearance diver is classified as a special forces in the Navy. And I got to work with some of the most amazing men in the Army and they have what was called the SAS Regiment, Special Air Service Regiment, that are the elite of Australia's military. And I, I was I managed to work with them for six months over in Western Australia, the other side. And we, we went over there, did a lot of workups, jumping out of helicopters a lot of ships boarding, so so our task was to head down from Western Australia all the way down to the Antarctic Ocean because Australia's, that is Australia's waters, Australian waters down there on the Antarctic Ocean and there's a lot of illegal vessels down there trafficking, fishing, doing things that they shouldn't. And we were the first mission to go down there with a combined army and navy. So I'll set the scene for you. It's 2 a.m. <clears throat> in the morning. The seas are huge. I, I believe I was told they were 17-metre seas, so they were much higher than the ship. Um, it was so cold that when the waves would smash, hit the side of the hull of the ship, uh, the water would instantly freeze. So it sort of looked like it was snowing upwards. It was quite a bizarre um event and an experience now at 2 a.m we get the call that we have to get to boarding stations so because of it so it was so cold we couldn't go by helicopter because the rotors would all, were all frosted up so what we would do is they would launch a boat off the navy frigate off the ship and it was called a rigid inflatable boat a rib and they would lower it down. It was probably about 20 foot long and it had these seats in it that everyone sat behind each other. And basically, we would end up going from the top of the Navy ship down into the boat. And so the boat, they'd lower the boat into the water by a uh, crane. The guys would drive it f- to the side of the ship and then they would lower a line to the front of the boat. And they had a bowman, a guy up the front. He would clip on the uh, rope and then he, the, 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 the guy that was driving the boat would take the accelerator off the engine and the boat would pull up alongside the ship because the ship was still doing about 10 knots, which is about 10 miles per hour through this massive sea. So if you can imagine the ships going at 10 knots, and this small boat's being pulled alongside it. Does that does that make sense?
0: Yes, but I cannot imagine them doing this in. You said seventeen meter waves, so that's like fifty yeah. feet, if my math is right. Fifty foot waves in a little tiny what we call a zodiac kind of boat.
1: Yeah, it, it had. We could it could take probably about um, eleven or twelve. People sitting back to front or front to back. And there was a there's a center console where a guy would be driving it. It had two
0: big engines on the back. That's insane. They couldn't wait for it to calm down a little bit.
1: I I don't know what happened up at the top there with the decisions. I was just one of the fellas that had to do the job. But I do understand what you're saying. It's it's a fair question to ask.
0: I get it. That's just that's just crazy. You know, we think of these super tough Australian guys, and there, there you were. I mean, you know, you're probably eating snakes for dinner and stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was definitely a challenge. And, and like anyone that might be ex-military or, or emergency services, police, you know, um, or, uh, or or paramedics or fire. When you're trained to do something, you just do it. You don't sit there and try and rationalise. You just have to do it. So, um, so anyway, the, the, what we would do is we had to get from the top of the Navy ship, the frigate, down into the boat that's being towed alongside, and it's going up and down with the big waves, obviously. But the rope that it's attached to is pulling it alongside the ship, so it's sort of sucked in alongside the ship as the ship's going forward. Now, usually you see people that would climb down a ladder to a boat that's being towed alongside, but it it takes too long. And, of course, with the boat going up and down so much, we had to compromise and get into the boat as fast as possible. So you may have seen on the news or, or with the military throwing out of a helicopter, it's called a fast rope. It's a really thick, fluffy rope. And they throw it down so we've got it from the top of the navy frigate going down the side of the ship and it the, the end of the rope sits in the boat that's being towed alongside so we would jump off the side of the ship and fly down more almost like a controlled or a directional con- uh, descent and we would land at the bottom of the boat and then that person would move to the back and then the next guy would jump down so it was like they call it a stick a stick of guys just flying down and, um, so you go from it was about 30 feet drop, and you couldn't stop because the what the rope's went, um but it's it guides you instead of jumping overboard. It guides you into the boat that's being towed alongside. you're following?
0: Yeah, I was wondering I was going to ask you how high that was, but you told us that's 30 feet. Now, of course, when the waves go down, that's probably even a little bit higher, but okay. So you've got yeah. it. How cold is the water, by the way? I uh, don't know, but it was
1: it was it was probably around the the zero temperature, around the zero to two degrees, maybe. To combat the weather, we had to wear big snow suits. So we had a big snow suits on, big heavy boots. We had automatic weapons uh, in a rifle format. Plus, I had pistols, a few. Uh, quite a lot of ammunition i also had a backpack on which had three days rations so when we took the ship we could stay on it and then i also had a, a large sledgehammer strapped to my back to bash in doors in case we had to get into locked compartments <laughs> and and commandeer the ship to take control of it and then guide it back to Australia, to australia the land so I was very heavily laden with equipment.
0: Yeah, how much does all that weigh, would you say?
1: Um, I don't, I, I, if I had to guess, it would probably be around 20 to 30 kilos on top of my,
0: my body weight. Okay, so another 50, 60 pounds, okay. Plus the big suit you're wearing.
1: Yeah, so you'll understand why this all happened with this big suit that I was wearing when I go into my story a bit more.
0: So you're about to jump, grab a rope that's wet, icy, and and just very gradually go down to the nice little boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. So so there was two boats. So they the first lot of guys, about seven of them or, or eight of them, they jump into the first boat. And then the, the guy on the, 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 the sailor on the, um, on the helm on, that's driving it would motor it forward. And the guy at the front, the bow, would unclip the, the hook that's hooked onto the boat. And they then would pull away from the ship and then go to the rear and sit behind the back of the ship on the stern, right? And follow behind it. Then they lowered a second boat. Which would do the same they drove up alongside it hooked on the the shackle at the front and then they sort of it's called sweating back they just take the the throttle off and it pulls the boat alongside and as luck would have it I'm the first man down that rope into the second boat so I look at the guy next to me who's in charge he gives me a chop with his hand he goes right go Greg so I jump out overboard and start flying down this rope now the universe works in mysterious ways so the side of the ship was struck by an incredibly large wave which hit the boat that was being towed alongside and pushed it outwards as I was sliding down the rope and the shackle that was pulling that small boat alongside snapped so it started going backwards and my the rope then was went out of the boat into the water and so I flew all the way from the top 30 foot down straight into the Antarctic Ocean and I was hanging on the side of the rope getting towed alongside the ship at 10 miles an hour. So I'm hanging on this rope and I'm looking up at this massive grey wall in front of me which is the side of the ship and I'm seeing all these bodies up there starting to panic because I've gone overboard And I'm hanging on to the the rope getting towed alongside with with all that weight, the snowsuit filling up with water, all the boots and all that sort of stuff. And the guy that was in the little boat that was being towed alongside, he's seen what's happened. So he accelerates and brings the boat up right next to me as I'm being towed alongside the ship. And the bowman who's at the front of the boat is yelling at me to let go of the rope I'm hanging on to and hang on to the side of the, the, the boat. So I did that because my, I was slowly going under. And so I let go of that and I hung on to the side of the boat. Now, what he should have done, the guy that was driving it, is stop, right? But he didn't. He kept going forwards and in which case I was getting towed along the front of the boat and my body was going under the boat. Does that make sense? It's terrifying. So I'm looking up, yeah. So I'm looking up at this guy, and he says, he's saying, don't let go. He's screaming at me, don't let go. But I'm weighted down. We're doing 10 knots, and I'm getting dragged under the boat. My fingers slowly start prying open. And I'm looking up at this guy, and my last ditch hope, and my fingers just let go, and I go underwater. So I remember going underwater and it was so cold that I sort of my body automatically just gasped and I sucked in a lot of freezing cold water, which, which felt like it was freezing my throat. And I popped up on the surface, coughing up all the water that I'd swallowed by that time, and I, I looked around and the, the boat that I went under was gone. he he bugged out. And I was alongside the ship. So the ship's sailing along and there's me sitting in the water next to it. And I remember seeing this massive grey wall in front of me and I've looked down the side of it and I saw this, this huge churning of foam at the back of the ship where the propellers are turning. So the propellers rotate outside in. And I'm going towards it. I'm trying to push myself out, panic starting to come into my my thought process here that I'm about to get chopped up by the propellers. So I'm wearing all this gear. I'm pushing away from the ship, but because it's moving forward, the wake, the wave of the ship is just sucking me into the side of the hull, yeah? Sure. So I'm getting quite close to this foaming at the back of the ship the stern there and I'm and the panic starting to really take me and all of a sudden I get sucked underwater by the propellers so instant blackness because the it's night time my eyeballs were freezing I was sucking in a lot of water and I was thrashing my arms and legs as hard as and fast as I could as we do through the, you know, we went through, you go through the fight, the flight, or the freeze mode. I was fighting for my life at this stage. I get sucked under the ship, and my right, the ball of my right foot hits something hard. So it must have been the, the hull. And I pushed off with all my might. And all of a sudden, I felt this freedom, like there was, I was no longer getting churned around like I was in a washing machine. And so I started s- struggling with my arms upwards to the top of the surface of the water, and I popped up on the surface in, at 2 a.m. in 17-metre squeeze. and I f- remember seeing the back of the Navy ship slowly leaving me, and I felt this relief because I hadn't been chopped up by the propellers.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling I know what's coming next.
1: Yeah so 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 you're going to I was all of a sudden I was I felt quite free of that and I felt quite relieved and then reality came back with how am I going to stay up on the surface here so I start trying to tread water with my arms and my legs I've got my weapons my backpack my sledgehammer my suit which is really heavy and I had communications in my ear and I could hear the panic on all the people on the ship saying "man overboard," and they were talking to the guys in the small boats that were that they'd left behind. And I heard them saying, "We can see him. We can see him. We've got. We've, we've identified him." And I'm and I'm turning around on the top of the water, trying to stay above it, but trying to see them. And then I've seen them in the distance. This boat, and it's full of the. It's the first boat. It's full of the guys that were in it. And they they come flying towards me. They're going to rescue me. <laughs> okay. However, the swell, the seas are so big. He's at, he's he's surfing down the side of this wave, totally uncontrolled uncontrollable. And he's run straight over the top of me. And I had on like a little skateboard, it's called a pro-tech helmet. It's a little bit of foam helmet. He's hit that and pushed me underwater. And the propeller's gone over and clipped the top of the helmet there. And and it's probably pushed me a couple of metres, which is, I don't know, I don't know what, about five, six feet underwater. And I started sucking in a lot of water, struggling to get back to the surface. So I got back to the surface. Panic was just, you know, it was uncontrollable, the panic. There's just the, the fight, fight for your life sort of mode. I got back up to the surface. I was coughing and spluttering, and I heard on this, this, communications in my ear the boat I was supposed to get in they've now seen me and they say we can get him same things happen they've run straight over me and pushed me under so I've been dunked I'm like a teabag getting dunked underneath the uh, Antarctic Ocean here in the cold water and I struggled back up to the surface found my way up to the top there and I've seen the two boats they're circling me now trying to do the best they can in this uncontrollable water to to get to me, and I'm looking at them going around in circles myself, trying to keep an eye on them, and 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 and, all, and it was like it was everything just started slowing down. Um, my arms became very heavy because of the cold, and all my joints started stiffening up. Because what tends to happen <clears throat> is when we go and are submerged into extreme cold the blood leaves our extremities and, and, you know, congregates around our organs to try and protect us. So all of a sudden I feel that it's very difficult to tread water and it's, my bed keeps going underwater. I'm drinking a lot of water. I'm struggling to get back up. This lasted what seemed to be 10 weeks, right? But it was only about four or five minutes, I believe. Kept going on. And then, then, I just I couldn't get back up to the surface it was as if I could see the reflection on the water it was like the moon or something was up there and it was just beyond reach it was like I was struggling to get above the water and it was a different world up there so and my joints had just stopped working so I started
0: sinking don't you have some kind of a life jacket on I did
1: I had what's called a special forces life jacket on, and it only works if you pull the toggle so during my time good question that actually during my time of struggling up the top, I was trying to find the toggle, but ju- when I had got sucked under the ship and it, it had all ripped, so it just it wasn't it was all torn anyway, and I couldn't find that so there was, as yeah, good question because it was going through my mind, where is this bloody jacket right so um so anyway, I'm sinking. And I'm sucking in a lot of water. My eyes are open, blackness because of the water. And I remember my throat. It was as if I was sucking in this freezing cold um, liquid that that was freezing my throat. And the panic, the panic was was extreme. It was the, the worst it obviously it could ever be. And then this was my first trip to the quantum side was uh, I found this calmness come over me and it was as if I, I had been all of a sudden wrapped in this warm blanket and I felt this warmth and this comfort that the panic, it, there's no need panicking anymore. It's just everything's okay. And so as I was sinking down, I felt as if this black liquid like this came over my eyes, as if it went from the blackness of the water to a much deeper darkness, but the calmness throughout that as well. And I went to a place that I can only describe as being a transitional place between life and quantum or death, whatever you want to call it. And um it was calm. It was just so calm. Blackness. I didn't see any lights or anything like that. It was just this calmness and this relief and release. And what I felt at that stage, and I, and I only started understanding this when I started telling the story many years later. I started to understand that my I didn't actually actually exist as greg keely i'd had experienced things and i had appreciated them in my life but it's as if greg keely didn't exist does that make sense it's like um, i went to the i was going to this other side and i didn't have any thoughts of family friends or me or what i looked like or anything it was just experiences in in life so that seemed to have lasted a long time, that blackness. And then almost as if someone shone a light in my eyes, um, I'm on the boat, the first boat of guys, and they're all standing above me and I've come to, I've come back to, to life wherever I
0: was. Right. How did you get to the bo- onto the boat?
1: Ah, so here's the they're going around me and they and I start sinking, going off on my own journey. They jump in the water. Two of them jump in the water, they create what's like a human chain, arm to leg. And they've created this chain underneath the water and they're thrashing around in the blackness. And one of the guys, whose name was Matt, he grabs the back of my backpack in the blackness, grabs it, pulls himself up to the next guy and they pull the, all the, all of them back up onto the surface. The boat stopped and they, there's seven or eight of them, they lift me out of the water, I'm unconscious wherever I am, into the boat and then they all get back in the boat and I come back. So all of a sudden I'm back on the boat and it's as if where I'd just been and what had just happened didn't happen. It was Okay, here we are. Let's go and let's go and on the mission. Let's get this boat. I'm saying to the other guys. Okay, let's go. What's going on? Not knowing what just happened, <laughs> so I didn't really acknowledge what had happened. And they they're talking, saying to the to the Bain frigate, the ship, to the officers, saying he wants to continue on the mission. Can we keep going? And they said, No, no, no. You bring him back. So my boat comes alongside the one I missed. I stand up, get over from this boat onto the other one, which apparently you shouldn't do, and I'll talk to, that, talk to you about that in a second <laughs> because remembering that all my blood had left my extremities and gathered around my, 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 all my organs to try and keep them going for as long as possible. So when you have what's called hypothermia, and your body drop temperature drops this is what your blood does so getting up moving around creates the blood to go leave the organs and get back to the extremities your hands and your feet and usually you would drop dead from shock because the blood then leaves it your body goes into shock and you die however this didn't happen to me i was totally oblivious to all the safety procedures and i'm let's go get this ship because that's how you trained okay I, I didn't even know that I'd screwed up the mission I, I which which you know I suffered for later I I, I got ridiculed for many years after that but um, I just thought okay we've got to keep going so the boat comes alongside they launch They they winch it back up to the ship I climb over the side and there's all these officers there male and female and they throw me into the what the wardroom, which is their their main room, like their lounge, and they've created an emergency area there, and um, they've taken my temperature and my body temperature was thirty four degrees Celsius. Now normally we sit at thirty seven degrees Celsius. Um, I don't know what
0: temperature that is in Fahrenheit to Fahrenheit is ninety three point two degrees. Right. So well done. you were, you were a good five plus degrees in Fahrenheit yes. lower yeah. than you should be. Okay.
1: So they're obviously stressing about this. And so they, um, they say so they start taking off all my gear and then comes my next experience where I just drop to the ground and become unresponsive. So, That's what they see. What happened with me is um, I don't remember falling to the ground. All of a sudden I transitioned straight back to where I was in that blackness. But this time I, I I, I see, I feel, I didn't really, yeah, I could see silhouettes. I close my eyes, I can go back there because this is what I do now. I do a lot of hypnotherapy and unconscious coaching. So I can close my eyes and go back there and I see the silhouettes of, of a lot of figures and they may have been 12 or 13 of them, almost in a line, and they're pointing away from me toward, past them towards this other dark, darkness and I could feel what they were saying. They were so excited. There was such excitement there as if I'd, I was coming back from being away. And I felt this overwhelming love of, of just, uh, I, I, it's hard to explain, but I felt this over, overwhelming love that I'm finally back where I should be, you know You know what I mean? It's like, thank you, Greg didn't exist. It was like I said before, same thing, I didn't exist in this life. I didn't see my body. I didn't see the people in it. I just felt these, these entities, they're very big, very tall, and they were from somewhere else, not from this life. I just had no connection with this life at all. I started getting like I was drifting towards them. There was no control, as I mentioned at the start of this. So I was just going towards them, and there was just such intense love. It wasn't inside me. It was sort of all around me. It was everywhere. And it was like they were applauding and clapping and saying, yeah, you know, come come with us, come back, come back. And, 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 and I was just going in that direction. Then I started hearing a voice. And the voice was so soothing, and I might get a bit emotional here every time I talk about this voice. It was a, um, it was a voice that was saying, it's okay, you can come back now. Whew. Sorry, I get a bit emotional. So every time I talk about it, I can hear it and it's, you can come back to us now, come back. And it was so soft and so much love in this voice, But it wasn't in the direction that they were leading me. It was in, it was as if it was in over mountains and mountains and mountains of distance away. And and there wasn't mountains, there wasn't light, it was just darkness. And I felt myself pause. And that that voice just was so amazingly attractive to me and um, loving to me that it just got louder and closer. And it kept repeating over and over. It's okay, darling was coming in. Darling, it's okay, You it can come back. And, oh, sorry, I'm about to cry as I'm saying this. And it was so intense. And all of a sudden I start feeling some things in my body and I'm feeling a stroking on my right hand, and that voice was just over and over. And it actually was a female officer that was talking to me and guiding me back. It was just, it was just amazing. And and as I as I felt her, it was almost as if it was on my right side because she was holding my right hand. And I looked over to the other side of my left, and I saw all those entities there, the figures. And they were just standing there, not disappointed, but almost as if they just understood it's okay. and so I come back and I open my eyes, and there's this 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 lady with she's got a mask over her face, um, she had a hat on, she was dressed in scrubs, you know like a uh, blue sort of uh, um You know, I don't know what what they wear in in theatres and stuff, but we were in the Navy ship and she's kept saying to me, it's okay, darling, you're here now, you're here, you're back. And um, my, um, slowly, when I I regained consciousness and could understand where I was, I was actually lying on the floor and they'd put over a plastic um, blanket on me that was pumping in warm air to try and bring Mm -hmm. my body temperature back. And so this took a while and um, my body temperature came back and I, they said, you know, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, you know. So I went back down to my um, my rack, my bed, my bunk and lay down. I had to strap yourself in because the ship was going up so high with the waves and then come crashing down that you had to strap yourself into the bunk. And I remember thinking what what just happened? Like that was quite bizarre. What was all that about? And it was as if it was something I'd read in a book or maybe watched on a movie very briefly, but it seemed to have lasted a long time.
0: Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a couple of questions and we'll go on to what happened after. This voice that you heard that you described as really calm and soothing was. Was that the woman's voice the whole time, or was it more of like a voice from God at some point, or was it, or was it her just coming through to wherever you were?
1: Yeah, perfect question. That, so that, it was her coming through. I felt there was no voices on in that transition stage. It was just feelings feelings of welcome home, feelings of excitement. Yes, you know, we can be together again. And it was all of the entities there, but it was something so much bigger as well. So it felt like I had returned home to a massive family gathering and they were all excited. And it was like the big grandpa at the top of the head, head of the table was there and and everyone else, but it was there was no... There was, it wasn't language. It was just this feeling of absolute acceptance. And her voice pierced through.
0: And did you recognize any of those beings or was it all through this feeling?
1: All through this feeling. And the beings were not from this life. It just, it was as if it may have been. Some of them may have been, because I do past life regression with clients now, so I understand that it may have been from different times on this planet, but it was also from other places. So if we understand that that Hubble telescope takes photographs of hundreds of billions of galaxies around us, you can understand that we've been other places as well. And I felt that I could connect with them And they were from other places, not here. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. And were they, did they, and I know you're trying to figure out how to interpret all these feelings, but you said it felt like coming home. So did they feel like family or like some kind of angelic beings that you didn't know or you somehow knew them?
1: Definitely, I, I definitely knew them. I definitely knew them. Okay. I definitely knew them. It was, and it was from other times that I knew them from, but not this life. So it was other planets, other beings, wherever, but it, it was definitely a connection there. But it wasn't only the connection with those ones there. Do you know what I mean? I felt like I was connected to everything, much bigger than them, much, but they were there as like the welcoming party at the start. And it gave me huge calmness, huge understanding and acceptance. And many of us can become fearful of death or transitioning to that other side. But after that experience, I understood that there's there's just no hatred there, there's no there's no ego, there's nothing there, it's just intense love. And so I've become quite calm with everything now and understand that this experience and so many others after that was all happened for a reason, which is my purpose to understand, and now I do what I do, but it was there was no voices there it was much it was much more um sophisticated and uh complex on all feeling and emotion the voice that she, that i heard was her cutting through all of that coming from a different direction right and um and I suppose if just talking about it now, uh, because we're talking about it, we're putting a fair bit of energy into this, it was as if that's all I because I'd spent because I'm 54, i but at the time this happened, which was quite a, 20 years ago, I'd say I was I was, you know, 34 years old. At the time it happened, all I knew was language. So I could relate to it. And it was as if, oh, okay there's something I can relate to and so I sort of felt like I was following what I already knew instead of what's all this um feeling stuff you know what I mean um and and so it probably gave me more confidence to come back to her voice rather than going where I was was going so so I think you might have answered something there for me I felt like I wasn't in control at all but just talking about it, maybe this is that's what brought me back was the fact that I I felt familiar with a voice, and um, and that's why I chose to come back. That's a that's really opened my mind up to something there.
0: Well, I think that's so beautiful the feelings of welcome home, uh, and that means something different to everybody. But let's picture what the be- very best meaning of that could be.
1: And that was all that we was there was just all the very yeah. best of everything that you haven't even experienced happiness in this life the experience of joy and happiness and and such intense love and you know when you think of the, someone that you could not live without and you have that swelling in your heart it was th- like that but magnified a, a million times more because i felt i was connected with everything out there that felt like that so it's wherever it is um and whether we all go out there together and hang around the same area i don't know but um it's nothing to be afraid of but we're here for a purpose we're here for a reason and it's what i found after all of this and we'll talk about it in a second if we've got time if we still got some time on what our purpose is and why we go through such significant challenges depression, anxiety, happiness is because that part of us outside of this is my understanding anyway, outside of this life is this is what we want us to experience. And it all started making sense after that.
0: So if you could encapsulate it into a nutshell, a one or two sentences, why would you say we are here on earth? What's our purpose?
1: Well, what I found, might take a couple more than one or two sentences, but what I found was that time didn't exist. There was no time out there. We we've created time here, yeah. The sun, the moon, it goes around this world, but out there, there's no world. There's much bigger than that. There's universal connection. So it was as if time did not exist. It was just love and happiness. I think we come in here to experience limitations and during those limitations or the limited time I should say is we need to experience whatever we've chosen to experience prior to coming here so the challenges we say good times and bad times now I don't see anything as being a bad it's just a challenge that I am here this time to try and overcome and then it's allowed me to turn my entire vision around on, on positive and negative, where negativity doesn't exist if I don't want it to. I can create, and then I start, I've studied a lot of quantum theory, quantum mechanics, where we are creators at that that state before this life the negativity comes from other people other environments whatever has been created by man beyond that negativity doesn't exist they're just challenges they're things for us to learn from and i understand we're here to learn we're here to love and we're here to teach so um, to sum it up in a couple of sentences it's a bit hard but i just i found that We've chosen this. this is why we're here. We're here to experience it. What we think is real is is only it's like it's like we're in a fishbowl, living out the life of a fish, where there's bigger worlds outside of it, or there's bigger part of energy, universal energy, quantum, is outside of it, all looking in, just seeing what we're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean,
0: yeah. Okay. We have, oh, I could spend a whole nother hour with you and we may come back to you in a few months and do that. This has been really enjoyable. I want to, I want to hear just the sort of the postlude on what happened. So just for people, if they're kind of scratching their heads going, wait, did this really happen? So Greg's on this Navy ship, uh, which runs over him. How big is this ship roughly? How many feet long, meters long?
1: I don't know. Maybe 120 meters long. Maybe it's like a frigate. It's a navy frigate, so it's like you know you've got big ships. It's got a big gun on the front, and it's got torpedo tubes outside, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. So like nearly 400 feet long. So that runs you over, and then your rescue boats decide to run you over too, just for good measure. And and you survive all that. They get you on. They get you on board. They warm you up. And I would think they would keep you in some kind of a sick bay hospital on the ship thing and watch you all night, but they just hey, go to your bunk, strap yourself in you're yeah. you're good to go and and then right, and then the next day they probably helicoptered you back to australia and and you know put it put a drink with a put a drink with an umbrella in it by you, and said, "Hey, enjoy the next few weeks, right? Is that what happened?
1: Oh no no, 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 I'll jump in quickly there." I'll- no, actually six hours later I was in a helicopter jumping out of the helicopter landing on another ship and we took that ship and we sailed it back. So it was as if nothing happened. It was just a story. And then uh, I went through my military career. I left. I joined the police. I went through um, I went through a lot of uh, trauma, I suppose, as a policeman. But what I found is what I found at that time that NDE is that when, when your body goes under stress, everything slowed down. Now, whether I had experienced that and connected with it at the time of my NDE, which then allowed me to use it as a policeman, everything would slow down and I'd be able to retain all the information, who was where, what was happening, and have massive descriptions on what people look like, their skin colour, their eye colour, whatever, because my world would slow down and I was becoming more open to perceive what was going on around me. So that was okay, went through that, left police, got into real estate, did really, really well, but then all of a sudden I was driving into a car park, an underground car park where it gets dark And we're at the little boom gate to pay your money and and go in. And I had that same feeling. I flash back and that blackness, that black liquid starts coming over my eyes again and I start going through the same experience 12 years later. And so I panic, obviously. I'm dying again. And it's as if I was reliving it. And I went through the fight, flight, freeze mode. I thought this time I'm getting the hell out. i leave my car there and I run for my life. And then this manifested and got worse and more and happened more and more and more. And it got so bad after for so many years, I was going to psychologist psychiatrists, trying to work out why I was reliving this moment and getting triggered. And it got so bad, I couldn't enter into shopping centres with my kids. If I did not see an exit, I I couldn't go, and that would breed self doubt, anxiety, depression, suicidal, trying to escape it, and um, and and they'd say, "Oh, Dad's having another incident," and it was like
0: everything that goes with PTSD you were experiencing.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't until I discovered unconscious mind coaching and hypnotherapy that fixed it so quickly that's why i do what i do now because i got it able to fix me i studied intensely and now that's what i do i help I originally started with veterans but now civilians everyone i'm helping all around the world release the emotions that they attach to those events because that's all it is eric there's no good and bad that happens in the world there's just things that happen we make them good or bad by the emotions we attach to them. So if they're bad and they come back and they're haunting me, I can go back today, well after the event, unconsciously, because it remembers everything we've been through, you're unconscious, and we release the emotions attached to it and it no longer bothers us today. PTSD, depression, anxiety, self-doubt, toxic relationships, all these things I now understand. And so that was why I had to go through what I went through is for me to go through the stages and steps to now be able to assist humans release all the stuff from their past so they can have a happier future. So if, if, if anyone's listening to this and says, well, why am I going through all this crap? Why are so many bad things happening to me? That's for a reason. Look at what the reason is. Look at a positive. Turn it into a positive, and then you can start living your true purpose. Because everyone goes through something different, don't they? And um, if I could sum it up, that that's what that's what I would suggest is that everyone's here for a reason, for a purpose. If we stop looking at it as bad things and negatively, as if why is this happening? Even after the years of PTSD and all that stuff, now I can help people that are going through the same thing. So whatever you've lived, Eric, or anyone that's listening, there's a reason it's happening. Look for what it is, and you might be able to help others that are going through worse than you. So so I hope you enjoyed my story. Um,
0: oh, my goodness. it was It was amazing. I was on the edge of my seat, and I could – literally picture what was going on you're you are good at telling it
1: oh, thank you i think now because i'm so connected with that on that unconscious level it's all makes sense now and so i can dissect it without getting too emotional about it because i release those emotions i do remember that voice though that brought me back and it was um that's the same thing that still gets me choked up when i tell the story but i've 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 so enjoyed spending time with you and your listeners and and i'm always
0: here like you know to help everyone if they want to reach out we will put in our show notes how to get a hold of you if anybody wants to and and they can find those attached to this episode and greg thanks again i wish we had another hour to spend with you we'll we'll do it down the road sometime but uh awesome time tonight thank you
1: eric it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much sending you lots of love Love and energy, that's all it's about now, and that's what I understand.
0: I love it, and I need it. Thank you. If you have had a round trip death experience, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you have found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend hit that follow button and take a few seconds to write us a review. Until next time, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next.